0: And die. I ever did see. Go on, get out of here. Go on, get. I saw that dog up upon a stair. I looked again and he wasn't there. I looked once more and what did I see? That great big shaggy dog. I'm grinning at me. He was the shaggiest dog I ever met. He was the shaggiest dog. Oh, what a pet. He was the spookiest dog I ever did see. How do I know? Well, give a listen to me. He was the shaggiest dog. He was the shaggiest dog. He was the spookiest dog I ever
1: did see. How
0: do I know? Well, give a listen to me. Really real. the raggiest,
1: dog in town. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to talk about the original Shaggy Dog from 1959. Now the studio was Disney slash Buena Vista distribution. The release date was March 19th, 1959. The running time was 104 minutes and it was in black and white. Later on, it was colorized, but let's just ignore that. The budget, well, it was less than 1 million. That's what I could find. And then the box office was between 25 and 29 million, which today would be close to $400 million. It was a a huge success. It was in the top five of top-grossing films of 1959. The Shaggy Dog was, at the time, the most profitable film produced by Walt Disney Productions, which influenced the studio's follow-up live-action film productions instead of settling for TV. Leonard Maltin from The Classic Movie Guide gives it two and a half out of four stars. His quick little synopsis is, Disney's first slapstick comedy has fine fantasy premise about a boy who turns into a sheepdog through an ancient spell, but has a sluggish script. Some good gags, but not up to later Disney standards. Jack Albertson has a bit part as a reporter. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 67% fresh from 18 reviews. Now, I'm not sure if I saw this on TV or if my mom rented this on VHS for me as a kid, but the original Shaggy Dog is one of my favorite non-animated Disney movies. I always enjoyed Fred McMurray movies and I love dogs, so it always sounded like a winner to me. I always liked the classic monster movies and and was especially fascinated about how the Wolfman would change from a human to a wolf before your eyes. And basically, you get to see the same thing with the original Shaggy Dog, but obviously the outcome is not as terrifying. It's also kind of fun to see a live-action Disney movie that is in black and white, since the majority of them were produced in color, even in the 1960s. And as Leonard Maltin mentioned, this is the very first live-action film made by Disney. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Fred McMurray plays Wilson Daniels, and by this point, McMurray was in the twilight of a very successful career in film. He starred in many amazing films playing various types of roles, from film noir and the terrific Double Indemnity, was in dramas like The Kane Mutiny, or even screwball comedies from the 1940s with Claudette Colbert. He would go on to appear in very popular movies after The Shaggy Dog, like The Apartment and The Absent-Minded Professor, along with starring in the hit TV series My Three Sons. Tommy Kirk plays his son, Wilby Daniels, and Kirk would go on to become a Disney mainstay for many years to come after The Shaggy Dog. But prior to this film, he was best known for Joe Hardy in the Hardy Boys series shown on the Mickey Mouse Club in 1956. He also played Travis in Old Yeller. We will not be talking about Old Yeller because I don't own it and it scarred me for life. (laughs) Something about the old Disney movies were a lot more gritty than what they turned into. And then Kevin Corcoran plays Moochie, and like Tommy Kirk, Corcoran would be seen in a few major live-action Disney movies. Both Corcoran and Kirk played brothers in Old Yeller before becoming brothers again in The Shaggy Dog. See, they're always in dog movies. The character Moochie was originally created from the Mickey Mouse Club show called Adventures in Dairyland. There's a great supporting cast, most notably Annette Funicello plays Allison, and I think every young male growing up in the 1950s had a crush on Annette from her days on the Mickey Mouse Club. I'm sure my dad could attest to that. Uh, the Shaggy Dog would be her first major film role, and during the 1960s, she would be best known for the beach-crazed flicks with Frankie Avalon. Tim Considine plays Buzz, and Considine was another Mickey Mouse stalwart, appearing with Annette in The Adventures of Spin and Marty. He was also the other half of the Hardy Boys with Tommy Kirk playing Frank Hardy. He would go on to work with Fred McMurray on the TV show My Three Sons. Gene Hagen plays Frida Daniels. Even though she's billed as the wife and mother in the film and she's second billed uh, below Fred McMurray, she really doesn't appear in the film much, especially for a second billing. Her best known role prior to the Shaggy Dog was as Lena Lamont in Singing in the Rain. Roberta Shore plays Francesca, and she was another part of the vast Mickey Mouse Club entourage, and this would be her first major film role, though her best role would be as Betsy Garth on the TV western The Virginian. The director of the film was Charles Barton, and we discussed Barton's history on the episode for Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein because he directed that film. But if you missed that episode, Barton directed nine Abbott and Costello films and also directed TV shows like Amos and Andy, The Munsters, Dennis the Menace, Zorro, and Family Affair. In total, he directed 580 TV shows, which is an amazing amount of work. Bill Walsh, who was the writer of the film, jokingly once stated that the Shaggy Dog was the direct inspiration for the TV show My Three Sons, and Walsh said the same kids and same dog and Fred McMurray. Speaking of Bill Walsh, he is not the legendary San Francisco 49ers coach, but if you ever watched a live-action Disney film from the 1960s, you will inevitably see Walsh's name in the credits. The Shaggy Dog was his first screenplay for Disney and later become uh, a producer for the company. He would go on to write screenplays for The Absent-Minded Professor, Son of Flubber, Mary Poppins, That Darn Cat, The Love Bug, and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, among many others. Alright, let's get into the background of this film. Uh, Originally, The Shaggy Dog is based on a 1923 novel by Felix Salton entitled The Hound of Florence. Since the Mickey Mouse Club TV show was so successful with prior movies and serials, the idea was to have The Shaggy Dog be a TV series, not a feature film. Originally, the film was supposed to be a two-part TV event, which is why it was filmed in black and white. Eventually, they decided it would be a feature film, and they spliced the two parts together. Because the Disney studio already had a cast of actors on summer hiatus from their TV gigs, they could use them without doubling work, and they could also reuse many of the same sets from the Disney back lot. This kept the production costs lower, and if the movie did fairly well, it could be very profitable for the studio, which the Shaggy Dog was, as we mentioned earlier. The actual dog's name was Sam, and the trainer was Bill Kewer. Sometimes it was a puppet outfit to get the talking dog effect. Other times they put hands under the dog's chin to move it up and down. Tommy Kirk said the makeup was a very long, and laborious process to change into the dog. A plaster cast was made of his face, and he would have to breathe through a straw. This is very similar to what they did with Lon Chaney Jr. in The Wolfman. There's bits of hair added at a time, which took hours. But it's a fun hybrid movie. You had comedy, it was a thriller, it was a mystery, and almost a monster movie feel. There was a trailer on set for the kids that acted, uh, as, and it was used as a makeshift classroom. After shooting, the teachers were on set to perform lessons for all the kids in the movie. They had to go to school basically for three hours a day, and they each had a one-on-one teacher, which included homework. This wasn't a fake school. If they didn't perform to the teacher's standards, the kid's acting license could be pulled. Kevin Corcoran actually said that the education was terrific on set, and often they would be ahead of the kids who actually went to normal school. Considine said that uh, Fred McMurray could repeat his takes over and over and never miss a beat. He could do each take exactly the same, which Constantine said amazed him about how good he was. He was a consummate professional. He would get to the point when he acted, he didn't drag things out. Kevin Corcoran's father died during the filming of this movie and it really shows what a great child actor he was to deal with that and still give a great performance. Walt Disney actually adjusted the filming schedule for him. All right, let's just get right into the movie. So the intro is very much like a Doris Day and Rock Hudson comedy with, uh, you know, an upbeat song and an animated dog running about. The street that the movie takes place on kind of looks like the Weave it to Beaver neighborhood, and it may have well been. Fred McMurray plays a father of two who hates dogs. This is likely because he's a mailman. His wife, Frida, of course, is Gene Hagen, tries to calm him down from his irrational hatred of dogs, but it gets it's kind of a plot point throughout the film. Tommy Kirk, who's willby plays his typical scatterbrained but well-meaning Disney character. In this film, he actually starts by launching a rocket through his parents' house. They rigged the house to shake so it seemed like a real rocket was blasting off from the basement through the roof. There's a funny scene where Gene Hagen tells McMurray to save something and he grabs a coffee pot. This would later, This scene would later be a precursor to the Merlin Jones character that Tommy Kirk would play a few years later. Kevin Corcoran plays Moochie, and he's playing Kirk's little brother. Moochie often steals the show in this movie. Then we see Annette Funicello as Allison. She plays Kirk's neighbor and his crush, though he has competition from his buddy, Tim Considine, who is known as Buzz. They both are competing for Allison's affections. Buzz is very much like an Eddie Haskell character from Leave it to Beaver. He's like a little shit, but a kiss-ass in front of adults. Buzz has a cool little hot rod convertible, and he really got to drive and peel out when they weren't filming. Then we get another character, and that is a new girl from France named Francesca, and that is Roberta Shore, and she moves into town, and the boys are just head over heels over her, much to the jealousy and rage of Allison. And much to the dismay of McMurray, her family owns a big Braslavian sheepdog. (laughs) There's a funny line where Fred McMurray says, How dare they bring a camel to this neighborhood? Francesca speaks seven different languages. The dog, which is named Chiffon, takes a liking to Wilby. The three go to a museum in which Francesca's father is donating artifacts to the exhibit. So while they're at the museum, Wilby separates from Buzz and Francesca, and they talk, and he ends up talking to Professor Plumcut, who tells him about shape shifting from ancient times. You can see that where this is headed. Later, when he gets home, Wilby ends up finding a ring that accidentally fell in his, into the cuff of his pants when he was in the museum. He discovers that it is an inscription that says, In Canis Corpore Transmuto, which he repeats like a chant in a mantra. And then, of course, he slowly turns into a dog. Now, I always loved this as a kid. It was kind of like, again, Lon Chaney Jr. turning into the Wolfman, but less terrifying.
0: What the heck is this? How do you suppose? Oh, I know. I must have fallen in when I knocked over the professor's case. In canis corpore transmuto. Sounds like Latin. Wish I knew more than just first year Latin. Canis. Canis. It's dog. Dog into dog something transmuto in canis corpore transmuto in canis corpore transmuto it's a transmuto and away we go with the do-si-do Somebody, whoever you are. I was just kidding. Wilby. Wilby, come on now. It's getting late. Will be Wilby, come on up now, it's getting late. Okay, Pop.
1: So first he kind of starts to almost have grey hair, and then his nose turns black, and then you see Chiffon disappear from Francesca's house and end up where Wilby is. The cool part, even back then, is that when Wilby talks, the dog's mouth moves. This was the fun part of the movie, when Wilby has to avoid his parents when he's transformed into the dog. So he sneaks around and jumps out through the windows to see Professor Plumcut at the museum. Personally, I like how the special effects are, and this is in the 50s. And as I've said in the past, people in charge of the movie special effects had to be much more creative than movie effects today. Everything is just a keystroke now, so which... You know, which is why all the movies today look the same and they're boring. They have no heart and human element anymore. I'll take cheesy vintage special effects over CGI any day. At least back in the day, they had to put their creative talents into creating effects. There's an ongoing funny gag in which Wilby runs into a police officer played by James Westerfield when he's always on his beat and he's talking to the, uh, his co-officer or his, his partner uh, who thinks he's going crazy because he keeps seeing a dog that isn't there. Later on, Wilby calls his dad from a phone booth, and of course the officer just happens to be near a phone booth at the same time that he sees a dog talking on the phone. Westerfield's reactions are just great. Another funny scene I loved as a kid is where Wilby puts on his pajama and brushes his teeth when he's a dog. It even looks like his paws are moving up and down to brush his teeth. And then he gets into bed like a, like a regular human. Then Moochie, who shares a room with his brother, discovers Wilby as a dog and is ecstatic. Moochie actually has some of the funniest lines in the films like, Do you think Pop will let me keep you, Wilby? And he also likes to call Wilby boy all the time, much to the chagrin of Wilby. Moochie actually enjoys Wilby as a dog better than his regular older brother. <laughs> Moochie even buys him a dog collar and is disappointed when he turns back to regular Wilby. Some other great lines from Moochie is I'll teach you all kinds of stuff. Beg, roll over, all types of stuff. McMurray always has a knack when dogs are around since he gets itchy and irritated. So while the movie is lighthearted, it is a Disney movie after all, there's a fun spy angle to it as Wilby suspects that Francesca's dad and associates are spies. This leads to the, you know, quote, suspenseful angle to the film. But you've got to keep in mind, it's, this is recorded and filmed uh, during the height of the Russian and U.S. Cold War. However, it's more of a vehicle for the Shaggy Dog to get in and out of predicaments. So Buzz talks Wilby into double dating with him so Buzz can essentially take two girls to the dance, that being Allison and Francesca. It's really fun watching older movies as everyone dresses really nice. Both boys are in tuxes while the girls are in fancy dresses, and Francesca actually has a mink coat. Buzz has it rigged to convince the girls to make a fuss over Wilby since he's so shy, all the while trying to avoid them, trying to figure out uh, that Buzz is trying to date them both. This, of course, backfires, especially when Wilby starts to change back into a dog. This is a fun scene as he doesn't realize that he's dancing with everyone as he's transitioning. Muji, of course, is thrilled and says, "'Gosh, Wilby, you know you're a lot more fun as a dog than my brother.'" Whoever trained the dog was amazing because the dog is just terrific with a variety of tricks and mannerisms. Like the dog pushing a ladder or climbing through a window or into bed like a human. You truly thought it was Wilby as a dog. There's a funny gag that's kind of a reversal of a normal gag. So you see Moochie reading a Donald Duck comic book on the outside, but though he's really shielding a book from his father about how to train your dog. While Tommy Kirk is great as his dual role, Kevin Corcoran again really steals the show. The way he interacts with the dog is just perfect. There's a great funny scene where Wilby finally comes out to Fred McMurray.
0: Pop? Yes, Wilby. I've got something to tell you. But I'm afraid. Oh, you never have to be afraid to talk to me, Wilby. Maybe sometimes I'm a little impatient with you, but... that's because you're my son. I want you to be something special. Yes, sir. You just tell me what's troubling you. I'm sure it can't be anything too serious, but... Whatever it is, I promise you I'll understand. Really, Pop? You can bank on it, Wilby. Shake on it? Certainly I'll shake on it, Wilby. (laughs) No! Oh, that did it. Wilson, Wilson. Oh, now no, don't you dare move. I'll get the spirits of ammonia. Oh, no. Pop, pop, nap out of it. We've got to get moving. Oh, Moochie. Moochie, is it true about Wilby? Did I see and hear what I thought I saw? You sure did. Wilby's a dog now. No. My oh, own boy, my own flesh and blood. Somehow, someway, I failed him as a father. How did it happen, Moochie? I'll tell you later. Hurry. Are we going somewhere? Don't you understand? We gotta get help. We gotta stop those spies. What spies? Remember? I told you about them. Spies! That's right, you did. Now don't you worry about a thing, son. I'm in this with you all the way. Now come on, we'll have to get some help. Not that way!
1: And after, after Fred McMurray passes out after finding out Wilby's a dog, his wife Frida needs to get Spirits of Ammonia, remember that? McMurray sort of evolves into his absent-minded professor character after discovering Wilby is a dog. One thing the movie never really explains is the reasons why Wilby transitions into the dog, because it just seems random after he does his little mantra in the beginning which is probably just the case for pot points. There's a great scene where Wilby's, uh, Wilby has turned into the dog and he steals Buzz's car. Of course, the officer who always sees the dog just happens to be see- seeing that too. Special effects for this are great as the dog looks like he's really driving. It's probably a guy in a dog suit, but it's great. And then finally, when they pull over the dog, the officer pats down the dog <laughs> and then Wilby steals the cop car. The other great part about early Disney live action films is the underlying score. It's subtle, but it adds to the plot. This is something we talked about in the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves episode, where, you know, you watch the Looney Tunes cartoons and you watch early films, there would always be kind of a, you know, a subtle orchestral score, which really added to the drama and sometimes comedy of the film. That's completely lost today. All right, so let's get into some fun facts about this film. Of course, Disney had a contract with uh, Ford, the motor company, in the early years, which is why you saw only Ford model cars exclusively. Annette Funicello got more fan mail than Clark Gable at the height of her fame, and Gregory Peck was the second choice for the role of Wilson Daniels that went to Fred McMurray. Now there was a remake in the '90s with Tim Allen playing the Shaggy Dog, and, and pretty much every Disney movie, included animated, has been there's been a remake at some point. However, I always say stick with the originals. You know, I know like some people like the remake of The Parent Trap and Freaky Friday and things like that. I always saw the originals. I always enjoy enjoy the originals better. And especially with the Shaggy Dog, I don't think you can go wrong with this one. All right, until next week, this is Brian signing off. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win.
0: My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science!